The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by two awesome co-hosts. Laura Nash. And Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about What the Golf? Question mark. Uh, so What the Golf is a video game for the Apple Arcade subscription platform of devices, as well as Nintendo Switch and PC. Uh, and it's been requested a number of times since it came out way last year. Uh, people have been asking us to cover this game, and it's not that we haven't been playing it. I've had it on my phone the entire time. I've dipped into it here and there. Uh, but uh, it just seemed like now was a good time to cover it. We've got a little bit of a uh, lull in our schedule, and it's now out on Nintendo Switch, which I think is a great place to play it. Uh, came out there in, I think, March or April, something like that, earlier in 2020. Yeah, What the Golf is a weird, weird game. Um, and, well, you know, I, I think you should play it. I think everyone should really, because it will make you laugh. And... That's our review. Let's wrap it up, guys. Yeah, done. I mean, it's kind of between a game and, like, a surprise engine. Because the whole point of the game is it's... Uh, what the golf? Sounds like you're going to play golf, right? Uh, what if it started off playing golf and then you were instead of flinging your own body? And then what if you were flinging a club and then a car and then the thing moving? Every single time you play, something else happens. So it's almost impossible to describe the, quote, mechanics of this game because the entire point is every level changes. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that people have already been exposed to this game in some in some degree by this point. You know, this game has been uh, gift and shared on Twitter and so on quite a bit since it came out last year. Um, but the, the core thing about this game is that, you know, it's taking the standard mechanic for... For, uh, for a swing in a golf game. So I, I love golf games. I've, I really, really like uh, golf games of really all sorts, but especially ones that take a little bit more of a uh, either absurdist or over-the-top swing at golf, things like the Mario Golf series and, and things of that nature. Shout out to Golf Story, which yes. we have an episode on. God, I loved Golf Story, mm-hmm, despite yeah. some issues. With, so this is this is where I, I run into a lot of problems, because uh, I, I get also, because I played a lot of golf games, I get very particular about them. Uh, we'll get back to that later. Um, but uh, this takes the central mechanic of most golf games, which is uh, is a swing mechanic. So some golf games do this in different ways, but um, for the most part, what we're talking about here is a kind of a slingshot style mechanic. You're pulling back either on your touchscreen or on a Nintendo Switch Joy-Con stick uh, to kind of set power and then releasing, and it does a little swing, and you're, in the case of golf, sending a ball flying with your club, right? Uh, this game takes that central interaction mechanic, pull back and release, and you know, point in a direction, pull back and release, and finds every single possible thing you can do with that interaction in a video game. Just iterating and iterating and iterating and trying to find ways to make that funny and interesting and surprising, make different things happen when you do that pullback and release. And here's the capper. Every time you get to the end of a level, if you hit the flag or whatever you're supposed to hit at that level, you will then get a pun. Uh, that's what kept me playing Animal Crossing was most of the fish-based puns. And here, if you like <laughs> golf-based puns, you're gonna you're gonna be just rolling right along. Um, th- this is a game that is made as a golf game, but it's definitely I think it's made by people who are not golfers. They and, say that on one of the machines, yeah, and that they are not really particularly interested in making a golf game. They're just interested in making like a. Like a fun, flicky mobile game is what this really kind of feels like. Although it plays on lots of consoles, and I, I hear the, the port for the Nintendo Switch is particularly excellent. 
But th- this is a game where, as a player, you're you're basically playing it to get in on a bunch of sequence of different jokes. And there's there's challenges to it, but it's really about that moment of surprise because every level is a little bit of a setup and then a payoff. And the setup is you start the level and it kind of looks like golf and then you do the swing and then almost every time something unexpected happens. And it's like the the most basic is like, well, I'm going to pull back to swing and my golfer is pulling the club back. And when I let go, it's not the ball, the, the, he swings the club and then it sends the golfer flying. Right. So that's, this is the kind of, the kind of joke to it. Um, but, but it actually does play out a lot. Like a, you might have imagine a mobile golf game where you have little challenge putts. And it feels like a lot of, a lot of it's like putt putt, right. Where, you know, it's, you're not playing like 18 holes. You are, you're trying to sink your ball or your house or your soccer ball or your cat or, you know, whatever it is that you're flinging uh, into the, you know, hit the flag uh, or hit the hole at the end. Um, and they they do progressively make, you know, int- introduce more and more interesting challenges, things that are going to kind of disrupt, you know, even once you've gotten the joke, kind of disrupt your abilities to, to land a shot. Um, one that I remember was really funny was, you know, it, it was a soccer ball and instead of, uh, you know, instead of a instead of a golf ball, it's almost hard to describe this game because it's so abstract, it's so weird. You know, you're you're shooting the soccer ball, and then all of a sudden, kids run in and start trying to kick the ball off the off the course. And now it's a, a game about like moving quick and and timing it's a instead of a game, game about yeah. yeah yeah. And and they they warp this in so many weird different ways where they take this gameplay element and turn it into different gameplay like. There are puzzle game levels. There are there are levels where um, it's about it's not about accuracy at all. It's about moving like a, a mass quantity of like hundreds of balls. Um, there's grappling hook levels. There's grappling hook levels. And and all of these things. It's I really like it when games do this, where they pick up a mechanic and just use it for a few minutes before discarding it. I can't. We've talked about games like this on the show before. Yeah, um, so I like to think of this as sort of like generous game design, right? Like this is, yeah. this is game design that is like constantly providing you something new, um, and it it never stops to dwell on any one thing to the point where it ever becomes tired or even familiar. It, it's always moving on to the next thing immediately. Um, each each hole, so the, the the game has this structure where you're kind of navigating through a map that is sort of your level select. And uh, the map has a bunch of golf holes and you put your little ball into the golf holes to select a level. But each of those holes actually represents three levels or stages. Each one of them has sort of a basic version. Uh, so a version of each hole that is sort of like, here's where we just want you to experience the surprise of our new idea. It's not really a challenge. It's just set up punchline. And something I was thinking about a lot as I was playing through this is that how... Um, how perfect a golf game is for this because the there's something about the sort of pullback and release of the uh, of the golf mechanic that that has a sort of a tactile feeling of setup punchline pullback release so you know the first time through each of these is just sort of like a instant gratification of like here's the joke and that's it uh, s- second time through they usually take that same level um, but they find a way to make it a little bit more challenging. Um, but it's not always in the way that you would expect. So sometimes it's something as simple as like, uh, here's that same thing that you just did, but now instead of having an unlimited putts or whatever, now it's a par four, right? Um, but sometimes it actually upends the thing and it becomes a different thing in order to make it more challenging. And then finally, there's there's sort of a third version of the level, the crown version, that is sort of the hardest possible version of this thing. And what's very interesting about that is that it's often very different from the initial setup. Uh, it's not just about playing the same hole three times through it at varying difficulties in order to get your little crown. Uh, very often, that final version is actually like, okay... Yes, you've just seen our hand here with this example, with this hole. We, you, we've just told you this joke. Um, 
I'm going to use a very, uh, uh, I think, relatively early game example, and I might be getting the details here wrong, but let's say, okay, we're putting through an area that has uh, exploding uh, exploding uh, barrels, barrels. You know? and you hit the barrels and it causes your, your ball to fly off in a weird direction. So first time through, you are uh, putting through these barrels. You want to avoid hitting them and, you know, get to the hole. Second time through, slightly harder. Same hole, but now you are the barrel and you're trying to roll through without being exploded yourself. And then third time through, you might think, well, okay, how do they make this even harder? Well, the third time through, they've actually turned the barrel into a rocket. And as soon as you pull back without even releasing, suddenly your barrel is careening around the level at extraordinary speed. And if you touch anything, you explode. So you have to navigate through the level extremely fast in a non-golf-like way. It feels like sort of controlling a rocket ship at top speed in order to get to the hole. Or if you're me and you've just been watching a bunch of speedruns, you immediately fly out of bounds and just lie to the court because right. you're tired of trying to navigate. Yeah. And it's, it's a, uh, it's really neat because it's like, yes, it feels like a build. It's got an idea. It does a twist on that idea. And then it does a sort of a, um, prestige, right? Like a final twist on that idea. That's extra hard, but also has something else new to it. Right. Um, but it's, it's not just building on in difficulty. It's every single time it's revealing some new, clever idea that it has for you. And it's incredibly admirable how much of that they managed to do here. Not every single one of these levels was like a laugh out loud, really great idea as far as I was concerned, but literally every one of them is different from every other one of them, which is astonishing. I mean, you called it generous. I think this is the kind of thing that um, I tried to pitch stuff like this early when I was doing game design. And they were like, that's extremely expensive. No. Um, it's like that absurdly generous where every mechanic is almost immediately, like it's used for five holes and yeah. maybe discarded. And I think, you know, people have compared this to like WarioWare. I feel like it's very like, it's morphing. It's It's like a every mechanic you can think of and my this does get to go under our list of uh meta games um as well because if you're in a video game that is uh dealing with uh many mechanics it's going to inevitably start doing video game parodies yeah yeah one thing i want to say about that it it, before we get into the, the the parody aspect is like that it's not just that but it's the overall concept in this game is what if Every kind of game was just a golf game with a different coat of paint on it. If you know? sports, if every single game on your iPhone. Yeah, uh, platformers, puzzle games, uh, every kind of sport, bowling. Lemons. Yeah, how would you control Lemons. Mario with golf mechanics? Yeah. The Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> the whole uh, section about the Olympics that uh, released two months ago as an extra pack of Apple Arcade that just made uh, my heart hurt as a sports fan. <laughs> like Olympics die hard. I was like, oh, the Olympics pack is out. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they've been working on that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I think from the very original pitch for the game, which this game was launched as a crowdfunding uh, project on... Have you guys ever heard of fig.co? Yeah, you know I'm sort of fig? familiar with fig. It's uh, it, it was, I believe yeah. it's started by the people over at double fine um, mm. in response to the way that Kickstarters tend to work. Uh, right. And their, their idea with it. And I'm, I'm, I might not have all the idea, the details here hundred percent correct, but basically it, the idea was that uh, what if Kickstarter, but instead uh, by buying in on a, on a, uh, you know, crowdfunding campaign, you were actually buying some amount of equity as an investor in the, in the project. So, um, I don't know a whole lot about how well it's been doing as a as a service, uh, but it's definitely like a slightly different take on crowdfunding that that leans a little more towards larger uh, larger funding uh, amounts per I don't know person, uh, but works a little bit more as an investing platform in indies that anyone can participate in, rather than being something like Kickstarter where. It, Practically speaking, these days it's essentially functioning as a extremely advanced pre order. Yeah, maybe I'm missing something there because I did want to. That I, that's all I really knew about Fig is that it's supposedly like you can invest and and get money back if the 
weird retro clone that you are so dedicated to actually makes a few dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I have to assume this game has made some money because now it's on Apple Arcade. It's on uh, Nintendo Switch. Uh, maybe that's a wrong. He- it's on Steam. Maybe that's a wrong headed assumption of me. I, I know it takes a lot of money to make a, a lot of sales to make money as a game, but uh, I'm sure that Apple paid uh, serious money for what the golf Apple, uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion going on. This is a bit of a sidetrack, but there's a lot of discussion and rumors going on around right now about Apple bundling its services. And I think Apple Arcade is the prime thing that they could bundle with music. Like, because Apple Arcade, it doesn't cost them any more. Like, they have all they, to, to add a, a user to it, right? Music... It does cost them more money yeah, because they have to pay stream. licensing fees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but they but they have a lot. I would imagine a lot of control over the the licensing on Apple Arcade, and then Apple uh, TV, yeah. yeah, and and then there's like Apple News and a- Apple TV. Easy to consider adding that into a bundle. I would probably not expect them to add Apple News because that's another thing where they have to pay a lot of licensing fees to all the content providers, uh, and also like it would be kind of a weird fit. Here's like four fun things and one unfun thing. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I, I I think, you know, this is, this is not an Apple tech speculation podcast. So I yet yet, right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll start one eventually, but I do think like, uh, you know, they've got to, they've got to start bundling stuff, right? Like I pay them, uh, four different subscriptions right now for yeah. various things. Anyway, coming back to this game, by the way, um, I had unsubscribed from Apple Arcade and I resubscribed just to uh, try to finish What the Gulf. Uh, and I'll probably be unsubscribing again unless something catches my eye. I, I'll, I'll run the rest of the month out uh, reacquainting myself with Grindstone, which is to me the whole reason to give Apple $5. Yeah. Uh, if you're, uh, if you're, by the way, not subscribed to Apple arcade and not interested in subscribing to Apple arcade, the two things that keep me subscribed to Apple arcade, uh, what the golf and which I've haven't a hundred percent finished yet. And I do plan to finish. Um, and, uh, grindstone are now both on, you know, uh, what the golf is on Nintendo switch now. And they announced grindstone for Nintendo switch recently. So, um, you know, they, I, I'm pretty sure their uh, their arrangement with Apple won't permit them to release on any other mobile platforms. But uh, apparently, Nintendo Switch doesn't count as a mobile platform. So you, nope. yeah, you can uh, you can expect they just can't style. go on Android. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you know, fair. Apple paid probably a bunch of money for that, and that's definitely that's how this stuff works out. But uh, Grindstone, real good game, guys. And uh, if you yeah. don't have an Apple device or don't want to subscribe, uh, it's definitely worth however much they decide to charge for it on Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Uh, so going back, you we were talking about Fig. I found a quote early, um, summarizes this game beautifully. Triband, the developers, said in that original post, over the slow descent to madness, Triband has started seeing golf everywhere. All games are golf games to them. When you see a platformer or a goat simulator, they just see yet another potential golf game, and they are all going to be part of this game. Golf is always the same. Perfectly round balls, 18 holes, blue sky, neatly cut grass, fancy people in nice clothes. What's not to hate? In the (laughs) 60s, NASA went to the moon to see if they could make golf fun. Guess what? They couldn't. So now (laughs) we are giving it a go. (laughs) Okay. I feel like that's a good point. A good moment for me to step in in defense of golf and golf games. Now, I, I should also, first of all, say that I am very much in defense of I, I, I love golf video games. I don't love golf as a sport, and I especially have mixed feelings to negative feelings about golf as a use of space in the physical world. I mean, golf golf courses are problematic in and of themselves, which is why partly I think golf games are actually great because, Hey, you don't have to carve out large chunks of land that could otherwise be put to nice public uses uh, and fence them off only to be used by the wealthy in, you know, in tiny carts wearing weird shorts. Um, But golf games are golf games. Golf as a sport has adapted to video games better than almost any other sport in history. Because it's played solo, you know, you don't have to try to figure out how to have a single player control an entire team worth of people. Um, and uh, it has simple enough mechanics that you can play it in almost and, 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 and complex enough that there's different varieties to like different ways to approach it. Um, you know, golf games 
golf games are great. And when what the golf presents their game as the golf game for people who hate golf, like I kind of get where they're coming from, but also that's not me. I love golf. I think golf is great. I've played a lot of golf video games over the years. And I sometimes wonder, I think I had this, this complaint when we were playing, uh, you know, golf story as well, is that like, because I've played a ton of golf video games, sometimes these games that have, that take the approach of like, I sometimes feel like this is a little bit like the approach. It's like, so imagine you're like a big fan of, of like uh, dating sim visual novels and the, and then the American market seems to only celebrate uh, dating sim visual novels that are weird twists on the genre, like Hatoful Boyfriend, where you're dating uh, birds or what have you. Those are the ones that everyone talks about. They talk about the uh, the KFC put out a dating sim where you date the colonel, right? But nobody talks about just like straight get dating sims. And I'm not that guy, but I am that guy for golf games. I get a little frustrated. You're golf game stand. I'm golf game stand. And like, I don't buy and play every single golf game, right? But like golf games are a happy place for me. When I am... Listener, listener, you might be thinking to yourself, Reagan loves golf so much. Surely he owns some golf clubs and has played real golf. You'd be wrong. Yeah, very wrong. No, <laughs> I'm I'm a virtual golf guy. Um, but like I... I, uh, you know, I love golf games and, you know, when I need some happy place, you know, where I don't need to learn new systems, I don't need to deeply involve myself in a story. I want to boot up a game and have a certain part of my brain tickled for 30 minutes. Um, you know, I'll boot up. <laughs> don't laugh. D- okay. Yes, you can laugh. Uh, bad phrasing, but you get the idea. There's, there's, there's something, something really um, tactile and like simple and pure about golf games. You know, uh, what they said in your quote, Laura, blue skies, green grass, and, uh, and you know, either the like three-click meter or like a Tiger Woods style, like pullback mechanic. Uh, all of those are just like natural, intuitive interfaces. Um, you know, for me, like I go back constantly to, um, uh, oh, geez, what's the Neo Geo golf game? I'm forgetting the name of it all of a sudden. Um, uh you're asking the wrong people, Reagan. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, big tournament golf or it's, uh, there's another name for it. I'm forgetting it. Anyway, the the wonderful uh, Neo Geo golf game that I'm forgetting the name of or like uh, any Mario golf game or um, or even like NES golf, like all of them, they've got something going for them that just like really works. And so but that also means that having played a ton of golf games, uh, I get a bit particular about them. Like I've got my ideas about like what makes a good golf game and like how to execute on it well. And oh boy, do you. I, I'm afraid I do. And that's why like I think if you go back to our episode about golf story, like I was in love with the concept and very, very much liked the execution, uh, particularly things like the ability to like drop a ball anywhere and putt and have like the golf mechanics like be part of the world even when you're not necessarily quote unquote golfing. Many, many things to love about that game, but I had a lot of little quibbles about the specific golf mechanics. In fact, I think I had a bit of a rant. I had a lot of the same kind of feelings here. Uh, it's not that these are bad golf mechanics. It's that they're actually not, they don't feel like golf mechanics to me. This is more Angry Birds than golf, in my opinion. It's a little hard to like specifically explain what I mean here, but like, Golf games are about precision and finesse. This game doesn't even count your strokes for most of most levels. Right. And it's, yeah. and, and it's often, yeah, golf games are often about like repeating the same hole or course many times to try to best yourself, right? To try to, to, uh, to improve your scores. And I'm usually not even playing against other people or even simulated people. I'm just trying to sort of see my best score and see if it improved from last time. And this is not interested in that at all. So like something about this game, like the humor mostly worked for me, at least for a good long while. Eventually it did start to sort of wear a little thin. Um, but, but as a golf game, this is an utter failure as a funny interaction Mm-hmm. As a as an exhibition of funny interactions, this is very very successful. I I would just like to talk a little bit about. There's like imagine, imagine you have just gone to a resort, right? And there's a pathway, and it says this way to golf, 
And as you travel down that pathway, there's a path that goes left and a path that goes right. And the path that goes left has a beautiful green 18 hole course. And the path that goes right says putt putt. If you are going right, this game is for you. If you are going left, you are Reagan. Um, yes. And you are going to be in for a time. I mean, this is a game that goes, can golf be super hot? Yes. And if you're going for precision, you are going to be very mad. <laughs> I, you know, what, what this made me wish, though, like every single time this game had a good idea. And there's a lot of really good ideas here. A lot of very, very, very good ideas here. And a whole lot of really derivative ideas that are fun for about 10 seconds, which is exactly how long they play. Yeah, which is great. That's honestly, like, absolutely true. But, like, when this game had a really, really good and clever idea, I was like, I hope this gets stolen for the next Mario Golf game or something like that, where it can actually be done in a game that more approximates golf. I know I'm probably the only person who who had that kind of haunting the back of their mind as like, Maybe. oh, this was good. <sighs> Could have been better uh, on like every single freaking hole <laughs> in this experience. But maybe I'm maybe I'm that weirdo. Reagan has played too many games and they've sucked all the joy out of him. And now he can only respond to perfect simulationist golf. (laughs) I will say, though, like this is a game that is to be sampled and not not gorged upon. It's not dinner. Mm -hmm. It's a snack. And I think if you like once you get through the little tutorial area, you end up going into the golf lab and you explore different sections. Mm-hmm. And each, you know, each section has its own like theme of mechanic. Like maybe you're in the soccer section or maybe you're in the space section. And I think like if you go through too many sections in a row, you are going to start crossing your arms and being like, delight me game. <laughs> <laughs> put down the phone, put down the switch and come back when you are ready to be delighted. Laura, Laura, you world. just completely <laughs> figured me out. That was exactly my emotion. I was like, earlier this game was delightful and now it's not as delightful. Get right. with it. <laughs> So put down the device. I've played 30 holes in a row, and only approximately 18 of those 30 holes have made me smile. At the beginning of this game, I was lolling, and now I'm just laughing. (laughs) No. Put down the phone. Put down the switch. Come back later when you need some weird silliness in your life. Laura like, has an absolutely, absolutely perfect point here. You know, Laura, I think you, if I had heard from you about this uh, more in the middle of this game, then I think I would have enjoyed it more. Um, and I did really enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I know I've just spent a moment uh, uh, griping about this game not being what it claims very much to not be. <laughs> so well, I'm also going to say, uh, I think most people reviewing this game played the first 30 minutes tops based on what I've seen <laughs> based on the reviews. I've read. Well, I think it's, I think, I think maybe people were being good about spoilers here and we're trying to do the same because this game is, yeah. is very much about like, uh, you know, surprising you. And so I agree that like all the coverage I've seen shows video screenshots, etc., from like the first 30 minutes and the game continues to have good ideas after that point. Yeah. I- I'm just saying like, I think the, it is very easy to know what this game is going to give you. And although it will keep surprising you, it is going to deliver on the same thing you're getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it will continue transforming and morphing and, and bringing you new ideas, but it's not suddenly going to a dark room you uh, <laughs> into a deep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a deep conversation. I would. Maybe one of these holes like opens up into like Civ Four, <laughs> and then you're just playing Civ Four. Yeah. It's not even Frog Fractions. Like, yeah. you know, you're still gonna play. The same golf mechanic. I have a couple other things we should probably touch on just because like, you know, uh, in some way we are talking about this game on, on its merits. Uh, I, I can't say I'm particularly fond of the aesthetics. They're not bad, but, and maybe this is just, maybe this is just me and 2020 brain, but I feel like this has sort of become indie game, the aesthetic, right? Like this look. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm starting to like, I like this. I like this aesthetic, but I'm also getting a little tired of it. And that's not this game's fault in particular, but like, you know, I've, I've played, uh, you know, donut County and I've played like 
uh, I played like, it feels like a dozen games that look a really lot like this, this sort of like flat shaded 3d model, um, like not exactly low poly, but like low detail rounded. Yeah. Flat colors, no shade, like, uh, no, uh, textures. Yeah. yeah and, and this look, this look has a great pedigree. I think for me, I'm pretty sure this all traces back to your Katamari Damasis and, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the, the things of that lineage visually. Um, I do think part of, I don't know if it's just the fact that it's an indie game. I think it's, it's more or less the fact that this is a game that wants to make a million of something. And Mm -hmm. in order to do that, it has to be, um, it has to be very economical with its like graphical resources, its art, art resources. Uh, and I would never hold that against a game. And I think also, you know, it, it stylistically, meets the the needs of the game you know it's yeah it's clear and easy to understand when you look at the 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 you know every new hole you can read it instantly so i don't have anything at all against the 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 style of the game you know you know Um, you're absolutely right this game gets a pass other indie games you're on notice sure and i don't think in this game the art is not the joke right whereas in other indie games the art sometimes is part of the joke the character design this is um polished necessity. Mm-hmm. It's better than that. I mean, I'm sound, I'm being a little mean to it, but like that, the, the assets aren't funny in themselves. Like the cat asset is a cat. It's not like a yeah. funny looking cat. The golfer is pretty funny. <laughs> the golfer is pretty funny. He has a very odd nose. He looks like Bert. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting Gumby vibes off that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and the, 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 the animation and, and stuff is all, fairly minimal. I, I think this is a really economical game in terms of its you know, use of art and assets and animation and things like that. The music is a weird acapella thing for the most part that like I was fine with. Mm-hmm. I think it's often part of the joke. Like yeah. the sound effects are much like a lot of the game payoff. Uh, for example, this is early, um, but we've mentioned video game thing. There is a level Super Mario and they hum the Super yeah. Mario theme. And it's, I think they might even be saying what the golf while they're like humming the, what the golf words to the Super Mario theme. <laughs> oh, one more thing I want to say. Uh, my son, three years old, loves to watch this game. He thinks oh. it is hilarious. Yeah. It is, every time something dumb happens, he thinks it's very, very funny. That's happening all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it moves fast. He will watch me play this for about as long as he'll watch me play almost anything. So, uh, you know, maybe that factors into your your uh, your decision on a game like this. You know, that didn't even occur to me. Like, I I bet when I I bet my kid would like watching this game too. Now that you mentioned oh, yeah. it. Uh, so uh, that's another reason for me to dive back into this thing. I- I've gotten through a pretty significant chunk of the game, but having looked, I thought I was, I thought it was like 80, 90% of the way through the game when we sat down to record. And then Laura told me, oh, there's a percentage meter that you can go. It's kind of hard to get to because the game kind of saves your spot and picks you up where you left off. And I hadn't been back to the title screen in ages. And I went back to the title screen and it turns out I'm not nearly as far through the game as I thought. I was thinking this game was about three hours long. And I think it's a lot more than that. Uh, although maybe that's just me not being good at it. But I, I hadn't gotten through nearly as much of the game as I thought I had. Yeah, the early things said um, four hours and they added 30 more levels and additional modes. And so <laughs> that's quite a lot more. So yeah. I'd say it's probably like five to six. And if you actually want to do all of the challenges, all three versions of every hole, uh, you're going to be playing a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do think even if you were going for a fairly completionist approach, you probably are still coming in under our traditional 10-hour cap. Um, but uh, oh, yeah. I think most people will be probably significantly under that. But like, uh, still, I, I really thought I was like 90% of the way through the game, and I was not. I was not close to that. So I've still got more of this to go back and, and explore, and I'm looking forward to doing that. Um so I really enjoyed going back to this. Like I mentioned earlier, like I played this right when it first came out on Apple Arcade, I downloaded it on my phone, played a pretty significant chunk of it, and then just kind of stopped. And I, I'm glad to have had a reason to go back and play more. And I think I will probably play a bit more of it even now. Um, and uh, so, yeah, glad we decided to talk about it on the show. Um Just to recap, it is out on Apple Arcade if you have a subscription. And that means that it's playable on Macs, 
any Apple uh, iOS device like iPhones and iPads, as well as on your Apple TV if you are playing games on that, if you're that guy. It's also on Nintendo Switch, and it's on PC on Steam. I'm pretty sure that's just Windows. If you want to play this on a Mac, you probably need to do the Apple Arcade subscription. You can't get it from Steam. Oh, I'm sorry. It's actually not on Steam. It's on the Epic Game Store, not on not on Steam. So go look for it there. So this game, it's fun, it's tiny, and it's surprisingly large. Uh, and I think we're done talking about it. But you know what I really was looking forward to this week is we haven't done one of these in a while. Listeners know uh, that we have a segment on the show that we... Well, we, what we like to do is we go around in a circle and we talk about things that are making us happy, usually things that are making us happy during the course of the last week. And the name of the segment is What's Making Us Happy This Week. So, Reagan, during the course of this week. And only this week. Yes. No cheating. Would you let me know of something that has been making us happy so that we can start the Making Us Happy This Week segment? <sighs> Thank you, Shane. Uh, so 2020 being... As it is, uh, it's it's been more and more difficult for me to find these things, don't you know? And so uh, the, oh, the thing that's been making Reagan. me the most happy... I'm sorry, I don't mean to be the downer guy. Reagan, the thing, no downers. The thing that's no been bummers. making me the most happy this week uh, is something that I recommend to everyone. And that is my kid who had been going through a phase. <laughs> your kid's your making me happy too. <laughs> my kid who She's had, adorable. My kid who had been going through a phase where she was resisting bedtime incredibly strongly. Just just the most strongly. This is I listeners, this is karma. Reagan has spent a long time bragging to me about how easy his daughter is to put to bed. Yes, well, she had been very very easy to put to bed. She'd been just just the best. And then she went through a phase here where she was just not having it and every bedtime was was tears and anger welcome to and my world this i don't know what happened this week but i changed my approach where i'm just like gonna do a lot of reading books before bed um i mean we'd been reading books to her before bed before but like amped it up by like four times so now we're reading eight ten books before i'm putting her to bed we're talking about little board books so they're short doesn't take that long and that has solved the problem. And uh, I can I can recommend a specific book. And uh, this is for parents out there. I'm not I'm not blowing anybody's minds because it's very popular. But uh, the Pout Pout Fish, uh, which is a very popular children's book, uh, is one that I will recommend to all of the parents who have children in this in this uh, age range. Uh, my daughter is about uh, 20 months, um, but you know I think it's probably will work for other ages too. The Pout Pout Fish is very cute. Uh, and uh, I like the Pout Pout Fish because the Pout Pout Fish is helping me get to my daughter to bed. So thank you, Pout Pout Fish. You're making me happy this week. Shane, what's making you happy this week? Uh, so I have a podcast recommendation. And first, I just want to tell you how I found this podcast because it's very funny to me. I was I was browsing the internet and I was looking at some uh, shit posted memes. And I saw a, uh, a pair of... Uh, it was off of like a online store and I saw this pair of red booty shorts <laughs> that had written across the butt uh, uh, the words ceaseless watcher turn your gaze upon this wretched thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I've, I have seen there's like a, a whole group of internet like ladies who have like found the custom Etsy shorts and if you look at the like the things you will put on their asses it's all like abandoned hope ye who enter here oh, yes <laughs> they're all weird internet memes it's great yeah so I, I those that that had me just rolling i was laughing so much thinking about <laughs> the ceaseless watcher <laughs> turning <laughs> its gaze upon this wretched ass <laughs> And so I Googled it. I was like, what is that from? It sounds like it's from something. So um, it turns out that is a quote from the Magnus Archives, which is a horror fiction podcast written by a man named Jonathan Sims. And uh, there's a kind of a, a recording company um, called The Rusty Quill. And it turns out it's a really good time to get into this podcast because um, first off, it's gotten really huge. It gets over 4 million downloads a month, uh, this podcast. And almost second, as popular about, as the short game. Almost. And uh, it's also in its final season. And it's one of these things that um, 
I, I just sort of dove into it. I was like, oh, what is this? Oh, it's a horror anthology podcast. Uh, and the episodes are only 20 minutes long. That sounds perfect. So I just started listening. And the, you know, in the, the first season, um, I'll, I'll try, I won't spoil anything here, but in, in the first season, uh, the, it's very true to the sort of typical horror anthology, right? Uh, there's a bit of a frame around the horror short stories, um, in that it is, uh, there's a, there's a main character who like the author is also named Jonathan Sims, um, is the new head archivist of the Magnus Institute archives. And it's this sort of, uh, dry Brit, uh, who has this sort of disdainful voice, um, who is sort of skeptically reading through, uh, various statements that th- th- this archive seems to exist for people who have had some sort of experience with the supernatural or believe that they have to come and give a statement um, saying what it is that happened to them. And eventually uh, you, you, you start to see a little bit more of the frame story, but that basic grounding there of the horror anthology is really good because these, these shorts are like little bite sized horror stories that, uh, almost all of them land pretty darn well. There were some of them that were really sticking with me. And if they don't stick, if they don't land for you, you know, they're only like 20, 25 minutes, like I think maybe 30 minutes tops. So uh, I, I've been riding my bike a lot and stuff and it's a fun thing. What I was finding was that biking around at night in the kind of sweltering, steamy Houston evening weather that we're having uh, there were some moments where I was like having a little chill up my spine from some of these stories. Um, in the first season, like the very first episode is is called Anglerfish, and it I thought that was a great first oh, episode. Great yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a, there's also in the first season uh, I thought a really interesting and very different take on vampires, which there's it's often hard to do a, a new or interesting take on vampires. And there's a lot of other like just pure weird things. This is, I think a, a person who understand the writer, Jonathan Sims, not the character, Jonathan Sims, I think understands what makes a good horror story. Um, because there are a lot of horror. There's a lot of horror fiction that doesn't put a lot of thought into, um, how to tell a really good story, right? And they and, focus on the horror, but not the storytelling. Well, what they think like you can just have a, tr- a taboo be broken and be like, Oh, that's horror. Right. You know? Um, and this isn't that it, it's um, there. It's like genuine, basically every um, uh, phobia you can think of is, is the focus. It's basically, um, Episode by episode, it's like, what if this, but creepy, uh, but, but it's pretty, it's pretty well, well made. And, uh, also as they expand, especially as you get late into the first season and into the second season and, and, and thereafter, um, the very thin frame story, uh, broadens out quite a bit into a really nicely, done radio drama Mm. with uh, a large cast of characters representing other members of the Magnus archives, the Magnus Institute. Um, And the, the stories that in the first season seem to be just a, you know, a, a a creepy tale. Like what if, um, what if you were walking home at night and something creepy said hello to you from a darkened alleyway? Um, Well, all of those sorts of things are, part of a broader story and it is uh, it is really all tied together but it never stops having the the that kind of bite-sized element to it it never it never turns into like you know tune in next week uh to hear the conclusion it's always well the the statement of the week is uh about an arctic expedition gone horribly wrong um, and then right at the end, we might, we might advance the sort of, uh, background plot line, uh, just a little bit, uh, just before Jonathan Sims turns off the tape recorder. And so 
I, I really have been enjoying it a lot. I'm almost through with it. Um, it is now into season five. Season five debuted April 1st, 2020. Um, and it is uh, coming to a close, I believe. I, I, I know that they are only going to have five seasons. Uh, I am still somewhere in season three. Uh, so I still have a fair amount to get through. Um, actually, no, I've, I think I've just started season four. Um, and, and there's, oof, there, there, it's, a good, it's a good podcast, guys. I'm, I'm going to stop talking <laughs> about it now. Thanks. You know, you've sold me. I need to spend some time and listen, on, listen to that. Uh, it sounds really fun, and I, I think I could use that right now. Uh, Laura, what's making you happy this week? So uh, I am not going to recommend anything half as wholesome as uh, Reagan and not quite as uh, horror-focused as Shane's. I'm going to recommend people check out the Harley Quinn animated TV show because it has been making me very happy for weeks. I just finished uh, the last episode of season two last night. And uh, I was worried at the beginning before watching the show because I had seen a couple people be like, Ooh, is it just like rated R for language because it can, you know, I was kind of afraid it might be that like, you know, I didn't want dark DC getting into Harley Quinn, who I think is just fun. Let me tell you, this TV show knows exactly what it is. The first five minutes opens up and it's you, 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 there's this beautiful yacht and a man is giving a speech and he says, gentlemen, my fellow whites, we're here to celebrate our favorite pastime, fucking over the poor. <laughs> I was like, oh, All right. this show knows what it's doing. Like, it knows who it is. And, like, uh, it, it does start off the first season as the, like, Harley Quinn, like, realizes the Joker is not a good guy and breaks up with him. And then is like, well, I can be my own supervillain, right? I can get a crew and I can join the Legion of Doom and I can impress my ex and all this other stuff. But what makes it really special are three things. One is uh, Poison Ivy is her best friend, and Poison Ivy and her have a great relationship. Poison Ivy uh, is uh, classifies herself as an eco-terrorist, thank you very much. She's not a supervillain. Um, and uh, she is very level-headed. She's like, well, you gave me therapy and fixed me, and you're still super messed up, Harley. Um, but the, the other thing is... That sounds so the, good. Because DC doesn't subscribe to the Marvel, everything must be part of a unified canon. Mm-hmm. They can uh, make Bane absolutely ridiculous. They can have, like, the Justice League get trapped. They can destroy Gotham. They can kill the Penguin. <laughs> they can do whatever <laughs> they want. Like, like, you honestly, no one is safe. Like, they're just as likely, like, running joke is that League of... Um, the Legion of Doom loves making jokes on Bane's behalf. Like they give him like a folding chair at a table where everyone has normal chairs and tell him they ran out. And then like they find a room and they open the door and there's 20 chairs behind there. And Bane's just like, I thought I had my own seat. <laughs> like, oh, I know. And you're just like, Bane, Bane believes in rehabilitation in the pit. Um, plus Bane. Um, and also like the voice acting is superb um yeah there's tons of like off-color jokes people will make references to sex it's very hyper violent but like what really makes it is like every single person is on point for the voice acting and the joke density is very high like i feel like a lot of other shows um focus a ton on plot and worrying about the like universe and like, have we done enough tie-ins to the area? And this is like where they make fun of Aquaman by like distract him by putting him in front of an aquarium so they can commit a crime. Cause I'll be too busy talking to fish. Like great throwaway, but a perfect throwaway. Um, I have never had a, a new character pop up that I haven't been super excited. Oh, also in season two, the Riddler gets super buff, and that is an excellent side story. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds really, really fun. Uh, where is it streaming again? Or I thought it was streaming, right? It is. It's on. You can stream it on HBO Max. Oh, nice. Um, okay. So it's all part of the DC universe there. Um, it'll probably show up elsewhere as well, but it's it's very funny. And um, like Jim Rash is a voice actress. Uh, Ooh, actor okay, on it. okay. Bell is Poison Ivy. 
uh, Kelly Cuckoo from um, is Harley Quinn from Big Bang Theory, and she's one of the producers. Um, uh, Alan Tudyk uh, voices a clay man who is an actor who can morph into different people. Wow. Um, yeah, I know that's, yeah, Clayface, right? Yeah, um, but a very silly version. So this is, I'm pretty sure, like, at least art-wise, it's based on the um, uh, the original Batman animated series, right? Like, it's sort of a vibe yes. on that. It's got that, like, very chiseled, fun with form style. Yeah. That's awesome. It's like an updated Technicolor version of that. 100%. That sounds super, super fun. I, I need to get on that. That sounds really cool. Uh, well... That's awesome. And uh, that'll do it for us this week. So listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find us on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a contact form where you can let us know what you think about the show or what games you think would be good for us to cover on the show. Uh, This part of the year is actually a great time to suggest things that we might have missed earlier in this year or even last, like something like What the Golf, something that we just never got around to covering because our schedule is starting to get a little light so we would love those sorts of suggestions now's a great time to send them in um and uh you can also find our show on listeners i don't want you to get the wrong idea when we say our schedule is a little bit light our lives are very complicated (laughs) (laughs) nate Nate is getting ready to have a baby i have a new baby we're all very busy so we need those short short game recommendations y'all also if comp is coming up so our uh, our lives are going to be full of those pretty soon here Um, but until if comp so yes recommendations but you're like but don't bring a shit is what yeah bring your a game fuck with us bring your a game with these recommendations they better be good, y'all. Bring us those good recommendations. <laughs> uh, and you can find us on Twitter at underscore short game. You can find me personally on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter sometimes. I've been trying to take more breaks recently. Good for but you. you can still find me there at Laura J. Nash. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>